Hi everyone, welcome to the Forward Thinking Podcast. It's Chrissy here from CS2. Today I have on the podcast Mary Blanks. She's the Chief Growth Officer at Clearly. Um, and we're going to be talking about, I feel, a super important topic, but why revenue growth is a team sport. Um, and so clearly it's a revenue growth software for sales, marketing, CS, and really um, you know, powering data to get those teams working together and have alignment. Um, but Mary's going to kind of talk through why those teams need to work together and why it's important. So welcome to the podcast, Mary. Thank you so much for having me on. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, I'm excited. We've had Alex on before. Um, we, I feel like we've had him twice. I feel actually, I can't remember, but um, all you know, debunking attribution and and talking about reporting. But today's uh, topic, I just love. I feel like it's so important, especially right now and kind of post COVID, and also with some of the <laughs> how should I say economic circumstances right now, where teams need to like rally mm-hmm. together. Um, but before we jump into that, I just want to kind of have you start with your origin story, like how you got into B2B marketing and and doing what you are today at Clearly. Awesome. So it's crazy to me that it's already been a couple of decades. Like, I don't feel like that's possible that I've been doing B2B marketing, but it's It doesn't look possible true. either because oh. you look like... <laughs> You're like my new favorite person on the entire planet. Uh, you just displaced my children. So thank you so much. No. Um, so I feel like I've had marketing in my body from day one in some ways. My parents had a restaurant in the mountains of Virginia and there were entrepreneurs and I helped them out. And that's, I don't know, it was a lot of fun, like learning about customers and like customer success from like early days and all those cool things. And then went to college, actually played basketball, which is why like revenue as a team sport just feels like home in some ways. For me. I love basketball. That was my sport growing up, but I wasn't yes. as good as you to make it that far. <laughs> well, but I do I, love it. My dad played in college though. So that's really cool. We'll definitely <laughs> need to talk about that. And yeah. I like welcome conversation about who's the point guard on like revenue as a team sport. I have oh. lots of feelings about that from Okay, like, we'll have to save that CS when line. we get to oh, when we get to it. We'll have to talk through that. Let's definitely dive into that. Um, <laughs> so we went to college and then out um, worked for Ecolab, which is a large enterprise uh, doing B2B marketing and sales there. Highly, highly recommend career-wise if you're going to be in B2B marketing that you have a stint in sales just to understand what it's like Mm. to work from that perspective and then went back to my entrepreneurial roots and worked for myself and had a couple of kiddos over the span of uh, five to seven years and then went back to an enterprise again at Red Hat, which was my first time in software and learned so much as part of the marketing technology and operations team there. We had nearly a thousand marketers around the world using a huge tech stack. And I felt like for me, it allowed me to kind of blend the execution side of marketing and what we do every day with the technology and data. Mm -hmm. And it really created for me this excitement to come work at a startup where I could merge all of that back together again and think about, okay, execution, but through the lens of a startup where we're helping other businesses like wrangle their data and technology as well. So a really good kind of natural evolution, I would say for myself, wasn't planned. It doesn't feel like it was like this highly architected blueprint of how to get here, but 
an exciting kind of combination of experiences that just feels right for where I'm at right now. Yeah. I like that history of working in sales and then marketing and also on the technology side, it almost feels like serendipitous to kind of where you are today and, you know, selling to those teams, but also building something to help keep them in line. But was there something, did you, was there something about working in sales when you realized, oh, this isn't for me, or maybe I want to be on the other side, or was it more just kind of happened naturally as you took a turn, like just for personal reasons, just kind of wondering? Yeah, there's a little bit of personal reason. So part of it, um, and I could like talk about this forever from a sales side at Ecolab, I was responsible for part of Yum Brands back in the day. I know you're out oh, in California. Yeah. So Taco Bell was Taco Bell. like huge KFC. account for me. <laughs> yeah. was like weird rabbit hole one day of trying to um, create a taco scented air freshener, which like we could talk about all day long, <laughs> uh, which is super interesting and why that mattered for their customer experience. But some personal reasons, but also like I recognized in sales at the time. So this would have been like late 2000s. Mm-hmm. I felt like what I was trying to bring to the sales role was some of the like marketing technology side of things. And mm-hmm. it was just so different like we would go to trade shows and when I was responsible for sales is like we take all these business cards and I'm going to call them then I'm going to send them an email and they're like you're doing what with Outlook and like mail merging from business cards and it was fun and cool but I'm like I want to do this for like more accounts and more customers and like what at the time right it was ABN but we didn't call it that it was just sales and marketing working really well together and Personally, I wanted to get back off the road and stop flying across the country all the time. I'm based in North Carolina, so it was a lot of trips to Orange County, which were fun, but not something I wanted to do for the rest of my career. Yeah, and hard to do when you start a family. Exactly. No. Exactly. Um, well, that's awesome. I I think that's a good segue into kind of our topic and. Today, we're going to be talking about revenue growth being a team sport. So, I mean, really, what do you mean when you when you say that? Yeah. So when I say that, I mean sales, marketing, and customer success working together. So it was something that we talked about a lot at Red Hat. Like we deployed ABM motions and other things like that. But the CS angle to it was more of an afterthought and that's what I see across the market mm. in many cases. And so when I when I think about kind of our north star at clearly and like me as a human, I've always wanted the teams to work better together and in alignment and that looks like kind of what I talked about from an eco lab perspective like with sales and marketing. You know the accounts you're going after and you're orchestrating how you do that together to offer up the very best customer experience. So it's almost like I'm a visual learner. So if you think about the customer experience being at the center of all you do as these teams, you have um, not the terrible like giffies that are floating around online now, like the sales and marketing handoff where you're flipping the customer like over and not actually like (laughs) offering a very good experience, but it's like marketing knows how to best kind of create that awareness within that account activate all of the right personas that you need to do that. Sales knows when to come in 
and help pull them through the funnel. And then CS is there to help, whether it's close the deal or to make the retention perfect and then ultimately the expansion and um, cross-sell and upsell motion. I feel like from a data and an orchestration side, those teams have the theory of how to work together, but the like yeah. practical application of it is still a challenge. And then the other thing that I would add is if you think about those teams, sales, marketing, and CS almost being legs of this revenue stool mm-hmm. where your product or your service is kind of the seed of that that's serving those customers. The other layer that I think, especially in more mature B2B organizations, is the whole ecosystem and partner side of it. So, like, how do you think then about applying how you work together, not just internally, but activating with your ecosystems and partners as well? Yeah, I, I like that, too, because I, I think right now I've, I say this a lot, too, but I, I think that companies are so focused on like kind of like the marketing sales side, how those two teams work together Um and really kind of spinning their wheels, like, how can we drive more revenue? How can we spend less on the marketing side, but still drive pipeline? And they very rarely kind of like look to like, what's happening post-sale? Like, what's happening with our current customers that could be champions for us? Like, what's their experience like throughout the whole thing? And and also just the overall experience for a prospect can really impact their purchase decision. Like sometimes we have clients who are like, I just had a bad experience. I don't care if this product's perfect. Like I'm just not going to buy it because if I'm being treated this way now, what's going to happen when I'm trying to roll out this tool and I really need help. So um, Mm -hmm. I think trying to go back to, um, like you said, like looking at it across like the whole team, because it's, it's, very much like a flywheel that feeds each other mm-hmm. or it can be when it's working well. So I do think that um, you do see that traditionally across the board, especially with this, you know, CS side. Um, but even, you know, marketing and sales. But um, so mm-hmm. for when teams don't approach it as a team sport, uh, what are some of like the things, what does that look like? What are some of the kind of the symptoms of that? Yeah, I think a lot of times, and this is for organizations of all sizes, a lot of times we have our own siloed approaches to how we do things where Mm -hmm. our technology stack is even separate. The data that we're creating from those different pieces of technology is, is disparate. It's not united in any way. A lot of times too, the part that I'm would like love feedback on from listeners as well is like the KPIs and the benchmarks are oftentimes Mm -hmm. not even shared. So when they're not working well together, I think at the highest level, it's like, are, do you even have the same shared goals? And then how do you help drive alignment and accountability throughout that entire flywheel? I like to think about it in terms of almost like this bow tie funnel concept, like Mm, the initial mm -hmm. acquisition through to retention and advocacy and loyalty. When it's not working well together, it's everybody's doing their own thing in their own silo, measuring their own team's productivity and output. And then the part for me that I think is really hard is you get to the end of the month or the end of the quarter and you look back and you're like, oh crap, like we're not on target for where we needed to be. And it's more Mm -hmm. of that like real-time optimization that doesn't happen when you're working in alignment that I think is the biggest opportunity for teams to address. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think the, like the goals part, I think is super important because 
that's something that we we talk about a lot too because i i think that whatever you know we say like whatever gets measured gets banished and a lot of the times mm-hmm. those teams like have separate goals and they're very much do not feed into each other and so mm-hmm. it does end up creating those teams to kind of push their own agendas push their own activities but also call things a win just based on just whatever they're looking at so you know for for marketing team if they're solely focused on you know mqls if they're still you know there's still companies doing that and Mm -hmm. if that's not converting or they're not looking actually at conversion rates then they're just calling it a day then sales is not hitting the number and then if sales not hitting their numbers then they're gonna do desperate things to get opportunities done and then on the cs side they might find oh these clients don't even know what they bought so we're have a very unhappy customer here so Mm -hmm. it can it can definitely kind of feed into each other but also like you said just have it have no no incentives to even work with each other which can be easier to do right like Mm -hmm. in some ways it seems easier to to just work on your own team but It's not making what you're actually meant to be doing easier. It just is, you know, wrong KPIs, wrong shared goals. And then um, getting people aligned is hard, which I know we're going to talk about. So Mm -hmm. um, the people side, at least. (laughs) Yeah, totally agree. And I I feel like, you know, just hearing you talk about MQLs and other things like that, I, I think a lot of times as marketers, we felt like we needed to generate a ton of data, a ton of leads, a ton of engagement. It was all about Mm -hmm. quantity because that's like what we could measure to your point. And it's like the more leads, the better. And then that creates that classic sales and marketing conversation around the leads you give me are crap. And then Mm -hmm. it becomes this whole blame game of kind of pointing and trying to figure out what's going on. Whereas like, if you can move to a place, and it's been interesting talking to leaders over the last six months or so about this, is it's almost like a transition from quantity is still going to be important because we ha- we do have to generate mm-hmm. awareness and activity, but it's more like balancing that quantity with the quality and precision of mm-hmm. a go-to-market motion where you're all working together. Yeah. You may not need all of those, right? Because you're going to deliver a better experience, which is going to convert when you're working better together as a team. And so balancing that quantity and quality is like what I hope for all teams to be able to move towards. Totally. And I, I think you see that like permeate through a lot of different things. Like marketers feel like I need to send a ton of email. I need to do a bunch of campaigns. I need to reinvent the wheel like every quarter with a new campaign and then confuse the market or never got the other one off the ground. And that comes still, I think, down to like this quantity kind of mentality. More, 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 more means more. And it's like, well, that just kind of, but more, it's also harder to track to see what was successful because it never got the due diligence it needed. You're maybe also annoying your customer mm-hmm. or prospects in the meantime, because all you were thinking about is quantity, like not really the experience. Mm-hmm. Um, so I totally agree. And that can, I think marketers will probably be surprised it, when they change their mentality to look at the quality or um it, it can even be a bit easier mm-hmm. <laughs> to manage. 
Right. And to have time, I think that's the part for me is, mm-hmm. you know, as marketers, you think about this blend of art and science. And I think in some ways, like the explosion of technology led to a lot more like feeling like you had to apply the scientific approach to drive quantity and to measure mm-hmm. and to do all of the things that kind of like sucked a little bit of the fun out of the creativity and thoughtfulness that we could have as marketers. So like the idea of doing less to actually get better results, like where you can spend time being incredibly thoughtful about what you're delivering. Like, I feel like that's like what marketing is supposed to be all about anyway. And like helping kind of get back to that is really exciting. Totally. And just like, how are you going to engage like your, your prospects and do it in a certain way? And I think if you limit that too, like the touches or the valuable touches that you can create is great. Like you said, like really being selective on your accounts, really having mm-hmm. a purpose for what a team is going to do from that customer journey, really even understanding a customer journey, because the more you have all these different streams going through people doing different things, it's hard to even track that. So you probably, a lot of companies have no idea what, what is right. a customer journey? What is a prospect journey? And you then look into it and you uncover it and you're like, oh, we are stepping on each other's toes. We are confusing the prospect. We are over communicating to them, but not giving them the right communication. Right. <laughs> like it, it, it's a very, yeah. you know, blanketed communication. So it can, pulling that back can actually give you more clarity and make it just better for the customer, which is why I think having, like you said, it's basically centered around making that customer experience better, which I think is is super important. Which I think starts with visibility for exactly what you said, like visibility mm-hmm. and what exactly is happening across all of these teams, what messages are going out, what what topics are going out. Because I like going back to like as a team sport, I think there's a lot of messaging collisions that is happening today, like where sales may yeah. be working on you know, saying this to this one person and marketing sending this like newsletter to these other people. And it's just, it, it doesn't lead to a great CX. So like avoiding collisions as a team is another really important internal side of this as well. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So maybe let's talk through the benefits um, and maybe even talk through like the team itself and what, what, does the benefits of like the whole team having a game plan together look like? And we talked about it negatively impacting the customer experience, but how can it actually impact it for good? Yeah. So I think from a good perspective, I feel like we were just talking about that in, in some aspects where the CX just feels natural and you're activating and helping create that internal consensus, even for the customers, you're thinking about helping them drive change. I think a lot of times we make it hard for people to buy. And (laughs) when you do this well, it should actually be easy for people to say yes, because you've helped kind of rally their own internal teams around change. And I feel like every day I see another thread on LinkedIn about you know, a buying experience where it's just disconnected and Mm -hmm. you feel like you have to work really hard to get content to help you figure out if it's actually going to work to solve the challenge that you have. And I think done well, this orchestration from internal teams delivers that information in a way that makes it so easy for teams to want to work together and to partner with you as a, as a vendor. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. 
And then for the, and this can be really hard for, for folks. Like we talk about it and we're like, oh, it seems so like obvious, right? Like we should be working together. Um, <laughs> but what do you think are some of the obstacles that like keep revenue teams from doing this together? And like how, how can maybe revenue teams see those obstacles? It's not really obstacles, but maybe opportunities to change. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think they're kind of four in my brain. So the first is lack of alignment. We've, I think, talked about that. And yeah, it's, <laughs> it starts with the opportunity, I think, of creating those shared goals. And mm-hmm. I think people have ideas of what those are. Every team, because of the way we've worked together, it does feel like people have different KPIs and just agreeing at the highest of high levels that sales and marketing and CS are going to have a singular revenue goal, maybe multiple Mm -hmm. products underneath that, whatever it looks like, direct and indirect, but no, right? Like everyone is anchored to this one high number, right? Like figure out what that is and rally the entire teams around that and create that as that one North star. I think, you know, over the years, it, it feels like marketing sometimes been reluctant to sign up for that number, but I think mm. it's time now to say yeah. like, yeah, like we're accountable. And that means though, like you have to be in alignment with the other teams. And so from a human perspective, marketing being willing to kind of step up to the plate and say yes to being accountable for a revenue number, I think means you have to be willing to have hard conversations internally about what that's going to look like and make sure you have support first at the leadership levels for, you know, you may have a sales leader who was like, okay, like that's fun that marketing wants to be accountable, but what does that really mean? And understanding Mm -hmm. then like, what are the other KPIs like where marketing is going to be accountable for driving parts of that business and then the handoff to sales and all of those traditional conversations I think it just has to be incredibly clear on who's going to do what and then go and the examples that I've had on alignment lately that have worked really well is where sales and marketing go to all the leadership meetings together. They're presenting from Mm. the same deck. (laughs) They are united in how they're each contributing to that number. And I think that's incredible for an, as an opportunity to show that alignment that's out there. I think the other one is around just data. And Mm -hmm. I I talked earlier about just creating visibility across those teams. And, you know, to your point, like uniting all of those touch points that are happening from a CX perspective in one place. So when you go to those leadership meetings, there's no, there's no opportunity then for the finger pointing or the back and forth on, well, your team's really messing it up by doing this. And everybody already knows what they're doing. And so it's more of an optimization conversation versus a a crucial conversation at that point. And then the other piece is just being clear on clarity and context for what's important and making sure that, you know, everyone's aware of their role and what they need Mm. to do. Yeah. And moving towards that more, um, that more precise motion where it's not about quantity, it's about delivering that CX. And when you do those things together, it it's really going to kind of move from the obstacles to the conversation around oh, how are we going to actually do this? Yeah. I think a lot of times teams are, are focusing on just like what, what they're going to do, or maybe you don't even have clarity, but I, I, 
I think of this from a marketing perspective a lot because they marketers will sometimes build and orchestrate campaigns and have an idea of what the lead process will look like and and kind of articulate that within themselves but then they don't make it very clear of like how the other teams can be a part of that and that's not only solely on the on marketing's fault like that that's just like a a sign or a symptom when there's lack of alignment because maybe they you know they don't have that alignment so maybe there's not the communication channels that they need or then the sales team or SDRs team have uh, leaders who are not aligned with them. So telling them the wrong things and then marketing telling SDRs, why aren't you doing this? And, you know, so it's, I think the clarity of roles and responsibilities and how each team and person like plays a role across uh, that journey is not only and super important for the customer experience, but I think just overall happiness like people want to know that they're actually like doing their job well instead of being pushed in these multiple directions and not sure how to measure even their own success Mm -hmm. yeah and the communication side of that like the clarity and you know I can remember creating Salesforce campaigns and stuffing the like campaign details full of everything I thought an SDR would ever want to know about this campaign. And then I highly recommend this, like, and then going and sitting beside of an SDR and like listening when they call out and I'm like, oh, like they didn't even really look at those details. Right. Like, so it's, I think it's just, it's about making it easy to work together and providing that information in an easy spot to quickly glean, like before you pick up the phone, before you send an email, this is, this is the one thing that matters. And, um, communication is a huge part of this as well. Totally. Okay. So we're talking a lot about like the people aspect, communication, alignment. And I think, um, you know, across everything we do kind of focus on people, data, tech, um, we kind of all the process Mm -hmm. for all of that, but I do think that, that one of the hardest thing is the people side. Like it's just the living, breathing thing that like is hard to manage. I know a lot of people say data is and tech and that is, but people can make those other things successful or the people are what's actually using it. So I think one of the main things that you mentioned is just around enablement. So how do you see kind of, how we enable this team or working as a team like evolving and what does that kind of like process look like to make sure that all of those teams are enabled to work together like a team mm-hmm. yeah i'll i'll hop on a soapbox for a moment so um i had the opportunity at red hat to lead our marketing enablement team and really kind of establish the function in a lot of ways and we worked with serious decisions to understand like what is this look like and it, the part for me that you know in year year one really of that like we were very focused on tech stack and data and just making sure people knew how to use what we had and then we realized exactly what you said like that's great that is helpful it is needed but the whole people side and the support and just being happy with what you're doing makes or breaks all of those other investments that you've made in in tech and data. And so really blending together this more holistic approach to developing everyone as individual contributors and as leaders and helping them feel really empowered 
and in control of what they're doing and confident that they can use the tools, that they have the right processes and that they have the support of their peers is a huge side of that. I think marketing enablement in a lot of organizations is still um, very technical in in terms of if I go back to that art and science in some ways. Mm-hmm we're kind of scientifically enabling in some ways yeah. and sales enablement is its own, its own beast in some ways. It's been around for what feels like forever. And I was always like, don't, don't forget about marketing enablement over here. Like we're important too. And I, I'm excited about this idea of, you know, where, you know, sales operations, marketing operations really coming together as revenue ops, having a revenue enablement organization where they're out there, like call it marketing for marketing in some ways and driving these internal campaigns around why it is important for the teams to work together. And then coaching from a people perspective on like it's change management at its core, um, Mm -hmm. but with a huge focus on, on the people side and building trust along the way. Yeah. Yeah. I think the, you're a mom of two, so I feel like you would sympathize or kind of understand this, but I think once you do become a parent too, you realize how different people are. And I'm sure even being a mom of two makes you realize how like both of your kids are in the same environment, same place, but can even like, (laughs) you know, learn things, take information in differently and be a team player differently. So I think we massively underestimate like how important the enablement side of people is. And we have, I, I think in some ways we, we have just looked to technology or process yeah. to just be spit out there. And it's like, it's going to do its job to enable people. It's like, well, but people really enable people too. And at the mm-hmm. forefront, and you're just using technology and data to deliver that message, but you need to like really have the person or the people in mind and know that we're mm-hmm. not just like robots. So I think And know that everyone's going to have a different interpretation. Mm -hmm. So how can you make it as clear as possible? (laughs) Yeah, no, exactly. And I think, you know, coming from, I keep mentioning Red Hat, but in a lot of ways, like who I am today is based on a lot of the open source principles and thinking about driving change. It doesn't have to come from the top. Like the best ideas can start from anywhere Mm -hmm. within the organization. And I think that's really exciting the part that I do think sometimes, um, not that it's overlooked, but the part that is hard is getting leadership and manager support to, mm-hmm. to drive change. And you have to have that support. And those leaders also have to be aligned to make your day-to-day clear and successful in what you're trying to do. And, you know, a lot of times I think um, as an individual, I know for myself, like I always like, work towards this team idea but if you don't have leaders who want to work together as teams yeah that's a really tough road to go and so thinking about like where you can drop in even like inspiration for the leadership team on like this is why I think it's the right thing to do and like this is how it's working and these are the results of this campaign where we really worked well together you almost have to think about as like internal selling sometimes if you don't have that support at a leadership level Mm -hmm. Uh, it's it's hard Yeah. Yeah. We're talking a lot about organizational change and you're talking about leadership, but, um, it can be really tough with, with people in different teams, but 
What do you think are some of kind of like the core things that like make that effective? Uh, I know you're, we've talked before together, we're both <laughs> Brene Brown fans. Um, both, I love like some of her work around Dare to Lead and being a leader myself, but um, also just uh, great information around, you know, how to inspire people and get them working together. So in order to do that, what do you think are some kind of core principles that people maybe don't even think about when it comes to making this successful? Yeah, I think for me, one of the things that I'll speak for myself in my own career is always wanting to look like I have it all figured out. (laughs) And I think sometimes when you do that, it makes it hard for people to to approach and suggest a different way. And so being Mm -hmm. vulnerable first (laughs) to say like, I I don't know if this is the right thing to try. I, I don't know these leaders. I don't know how they're going to feel about this. And like just coming at it first from a very human side of it is like, I'm passionate about this. I want to try this, but I'm nervous. Like just admitting that like, it's a hard change to drive sometimes if you're in an organization and, being vulnerable about that, I think, is where you have to start. And then figuring out, you know, once you kind of move down that path, you're going to run into people who are detractors or may not be convinced and thinking about how you handle that conflict. And um, I sound like a total book nerd. I promise I haven't, like, it's not who I am. I don't have 2000 business books on the shelves, but (laughs) crucial conversations is huge for like helping figure out like how to have productive conflict to figure Mm. out like what is motivating the other person so then you can figure out like I inherently believe everyone is good right like we just have Mm -hmm. to figure out what is motivating them for the change and like how can y'all get there together Mm -hmm. and then committing to to doing that together and then I think the part that is probably one of the harder pieces from a day-to-day side is just accountability Mm -hmm. and having people that will rally around and support you as a leader, as a person who's going through the change, that's huge because it's, I think it's easy to say like, we're going to work together, but in the day-to-day details, when I think back to that quantity and quality, there's a lot of work in the day-to-day to continue to live into that spirit of revenue, being a team sport. And you need people who, who are there to support you and help mm-hmm. hold you accountable, but also drive the change themselves. Yeah. Yeah. I can, I mean, I can even speak from experience, like, which is, um, you know, CST as we've grown, which we have a little bit more this year than we have in the past, like we almost doubled since 2020 and even maybe just in the last year, but that's a big organizational change. But some of our core kind of values has always been around trust, accountability, transparency, Mm -hmm. um, and, for myself as a leader, vulnerability to say like, Hey, we're, you know, this is what's happening. I'm open to feedback. Everyone's feedback is valuable and figuring out ways to gather that in different ways. And I think that, you know, not, not everything is perfect, but I do think it's been pretty seamless to make those transitions because everyone kind of has those core Mm-hmm. things there and mm-hmm. there's trust but there's also transparency so if we if there was a something kind of breaking we can quickly change it it doesn't just sit there and become mm-hmm. you know like a tiny crack then becomes like right. you know huge it's just like you can kind of fill it in and and so 
I think those are all kind of like core um, things that if teams can work together to do, like even as markets change or we've, you know, teams have (laughs) gone through a lot, right? Like Mm -hmm. COVID, economic downturn, highs, lows, but changes, layoffs, you can almost like take those on a bit better when you have already practiced that together and you're already working as a team um, rather than those be compounded effects that you just like Mm -hmm. can't get back from. Yeah, I totally agree. You just took me back to like a high school basketball camp, by the way, in my brain, like (laughs) going through that, like avoiding. uh, (laughs) That's funny. I'm totally back at high school basketball camp in my brain. Um, It's it's hard when you avoid what you know is like the culture or the DNA of a team and you don't want to make someone mad. You don't want to not be like the best teammate for your you know, for everybody as well, but it's, you have to be willing to sometimes call someone out or have a hard conversation in a good way. Like calling them out sounds like a very negative approach, but like you have to have enough trust there to be like, Hey, this isn't working. Like, can we talk about why and go through Mm -hmm. it? And I've seen that in my, in sports teams and, and at work. So it's, yeah, gotta have the hard convos. Yeah. It is tough to do, but like, and I think the earlier you talk about things, the like less, you know, no one wants to ever be blindsided. You're like, wait, but I've been doing this for like a year. Why did, why is this a thing now? So like, but our avoidance to for tackling like hard conversations or giving people like real feedback. I actually think that Mm -hmm. that is something too, where sometimes a marketing team can be in a bit of an echo chamber telling, Mm -hmm. not giving each other the right feedback, just doing the same things over and over again. And then sales is just like, why is nothing changing? You know, but then they don't feel like they have the opportunity to give that feedback until it comes into a leadership meeting. And they're like, this sucks, you know? Yeah. Um, And then you feel betrayed in marketing. And, and so, but if they're working as a team and had those those opportunities to give feedback and have those conversations outside of say like a leadership meeting or when it's too late, I think that they'll just work better together and there'll be more trust instead of then, you know, trust dissolving at that point. Right. Uh, and then trying and then doing the same thing over and over. Mm-hmm. No, you're absolutely right. The feedback and inviting feedback is huge. Um, I know you mentioned Brene Brown. I love her rumble starters as, as like a, as a key, I keep them pulled up pretty much all the time on my desk and just like, help me understand, or I'm curious, can you help me unpack? Mm-hmm. And like those words, I think I, I love the curiosity side of building trust and trying to understand the perceptions that the other teams may have. I think even going back to the beginning of our conversation, like my time in sales, I think at least helped me better understand how they were probably perceiving marketing. And, you know, in the last year, I've had an opportunity to work with a great sales leader who had never worked incredibly closely with marketing before. And he's Mm -hmm. like, I get it now. Right. Like maybe that is like the charge for all of us as marketers who want to work better together with sales is like, go find that one sales rep who is going to like link arms with you and be willing mm-hmm. to tell you like what they think, give you feedback. And once you have them, like, then, you know, like the message that you need to kind of take elsewhere, but finding that, that one advocate who will support you, I think is, is huge. 
Totally. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, I mean, we even say, cause I, I think, you know, traditionally we talk to a lot of folks in marketing ops and that team work, needs to work cross-functionally, but I think oftentimes doesn't really get the um, uh, praise and and also people don't understand what they really do to the full extent. Yeah. So, um, yeah. but finding a champion to work with, but I agree, like I think, also just the whole teams like if you're trying to get alignment like start with like one fan then that one Mm -hmm. fan can be two fans and like and market that right like put that on like uh you know pub you know make that public and that relationship and then like slowly start from there um because I think that's really a good thing because I think a lot of folks might be listening being like oh well I just don't even know where to start. Like, (laughs) how do I do this? You know? Um, So I think that's a really good idea. Um, As a marketer, I think you, it's applying the same concepts that we think about with our, with our marketing campaigns, just internally. Who's that target persona? What's your campaign message? And then how are you going to continue to to deliver that message over and over again until it finally sticks? Yeah. Uh, I have one final question, Um, and I I actually just thought of this now because a lot of times we ask folks, like, what are people, like, doing wrong when it comes to, you know, X, Y, Z? But what do you think is, like, one thing that maybe you even learned or you see, like, some teams doing wrong when they try to work as a team but then, like, really struggle? Are there certain things that really kind of get in their way or they struggle with or they do wrong with their approach? Yeah, I think – so that's kind of a hard one because it, it does vary from the people yeah. that I've talked with. Every organization is unique and in kind of their market approach. And um, it feels tricky sometimes to think about how to move that. The The thing that I feel like gets in the way the most, I'm not going to say it's wrong, but that gets in the way the most is feeling like you know enough about what's truly happening from a go-to-market, mm. like a combined go-to-market perspective to be able to diagnose where to start to drive like more of the tactical change or more of the practical implementation of delivering a, a better CX. Because again, I think a lot of the you know sales is going to think about the way that they've been kind of engineered over time to analyze what's happening marketing is going to be the same way and CS is going to be the same way. I was kind of a data person and as a clarity person, if um, true tilt, I highly recommend uh, as a clarity person, that means I want to come to the table with data to make a different decision. And so I think a lot of teams struggle with just like aggregating that data to be able to then diagnose like where the biggest mm. opportunities are to drive a better CX. And I think that's where you kind of have to start. So mm-hmm. you take, we always talked at Red Hat about like marketing operations and data being the new like the neutralizer, right? If you can come mm-hmm. to the table with that, then you can have hard conversations because it's not personal and it's a great place to start. Yeah. I think also being open to different types of data, like even qualitative data, like go yeah. out and like interview folks across the team, your customers, uh, you know, like get some of that and everyone you can't fight with whatever the customer is saying, you know, like the, that's all something like things that you can, the whole team can rally on. And because yeah. it's not coming from like 
one source because I think that can happen too where like marketing shows, oh, well, this is what's happening and sales is like, well, you know, you just came up with that data and it's like, no, let's have, and, and that's a whole conversation itself. But I think mm-hmm. being open to like, okay, well, let's have a shared set of data and then even look at, okay, well, let's ask the customer, like right. you even need to go that far. I think it's a good thing to do. Yeah, I agree. I like that idea of rallying around kind of the neutral data sets (laughs) as the rallying cry to then start to drive change from. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Okay. So how can our listeners who enjoy this conversation learn more about you and clearly and find more from you? The very best way is on LinkedIn. uh, So you can find me there. I will admit to being a bit behind on my LinkedIn inbox, but I do look at the messages, I promise. And I will eventually reply. I have like a 24 hour like goal in my brain for what it's worth. Um, So find me on LinkedIn for sure. And clearly we've got our website up. We're getting ready to release a podcast as well and would love feedback and And honestly, like ideas on how to drive this change. If you're out there and you're working to better align teams and think about revenue as a team sport, let me know. Like, I want to learn from kind of exactly the question you asked you, what's hard about it? What's getting in the way? And I'm just curious about how teams are doing it. Awesome. Yeah, we'll be linking to Mary's LinkedIn profile in the show notes as well as linking to uh, Clearly's website. Um, And Uh, For those of you who enjoyed this episode as much as I did, uh, feel free to share it with your colleagues and friends, and we'll see you next time on Forward Thinking. Have a good one. Thanks, Mary. Thank you.